G'day and welcome to Nutritious Conversations. I'm your host, Duncan McMartin. My intention is that these chats with my guests add as much richness to your life as they do mine. And you too can be inspired to indulge in nutritious conversations with friends, family, and complete strangers. Big love and enjoy. G'day everyone, welcome to another episode of Nutritious Conversations. I'm with a beautiful friend of mine who I've known for a few years now. Used to whip my butt many years ago as a as a, as a fitness coach, but uh, Leo Blank, welcome. So great to actually have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation and it's so great to see you after, yeah, I think we just sat down we're like, I think it's been four years yeah. since we've been in the gym together. It's been it's been a while, but it's amazing how people come into your life, and uh, you always seem to have this connection, which is quite amazing. So, currently, you're a relationship therapy and intimacy coach, and this is exciting because I really want to dig into some of the juicy aspects of what are what is a relationship and that side of things. But before I do, what book are you currently reading at the moment, Leah? You got something that's sort of sitting in front of mind? That's a great question. Um, I was reading a couple of books. I haven't started a new book just yet. Um, oh, you put me on the spot there because I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. What's it about? <laughs> um, it was it was about the um, the seven male archetypes. Oh, I don't remember what it's called. It's called Open Her, oh, and it's okay. about the seven male archetypes to um, to embody to really like. To really, I don't know what the title is, but essentially to really embrace the feminine and for men to step into, um, to, for men to step into the best version of themselves and to embody all of these archetypes so that they can be the best man they can be in in partnership. Oh, gorgeous! Okay, this is going to be great because there's a couple of things I'd love to chat to you about, and archetypes is one of them, and why archetypes are really important, but which is great. So no, this has been amazing. Like. We were just chatting off camera and and it was so good to actually sort of spitball a few ideas and uh, as things always go, it's like, oh, let's hit record and we'll, we'll hook into this 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 unscripted <laughs> conversation, which is great. And as I said, you know, it's unhomogenised, unpasteurised, uh, learning our language, tripping over our words, forgetting things, remembering things, that's all fine, which is great. But Leo, where are you currently abiding? I, I believe you're... Yeah, you're up north somewhere. Yeah, so I'm currently living in Marichido on the Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. and I generally work with people all over the world, online and like online, but mm-hmm. also in, in person I work with people mostly around the east coast, so like between um, Gold Coast, Brisbane um, and Sunshine Coast. And I'm really excited that this year I'm going to take my events all over the country. Oh, That's yeah. the plan for this year. So, yeah, I've got plans to come to... Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, um, Newcastle, Port Macquarie, Byron, Gold Coast, Brizzy, Sunny Coast. And, yeah, keep keep spreading my word, keep spreading my magic, speak on more stages and just really, really get my name out there to create, create a wider audience and create a wider network as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time we met uh, as you are whipping um, a group of us into shape on the on the uh, the gym floor. I was and... gonna 
quickly when he said when you're whipping. Um, that <laughs> might, you know, I, I facilitate tantric king parties now as well, done. <laughs> that might be taken the wrong way by the audience. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's probably the same level of pain and not as much pleasure, but uh. But, it was, <laughs> but I, but I think what was what was amazing about it was that was you know I, I, I for the first time and we've got I've got a German background with my father born in in Germany as well so uh, you know it, it was it was lovely to actually hear the 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 very uh, German right get into this you know and, and, and getting getting you moving but it was what really came forward to me was your passion absolute passion uh it wasn't just um for you to sound good you really wanted to get a result and and the passion that you were moving with and i and that really sort of sat with me and it's always sat with me whenever i think of you is that you had this this absolute passion for people and humanity and which is just gorgeous and it's been lovely to see um sometimes vicariously because i haven't really uh we haven't connected for about four years but to actually see what, how you've been evolving and who you are and, you know, from meditation. Let's, let's go for a bit of a journey. You, 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 landed, in, you landed in Australia as a, to, to do year 12, I think it was, wasn't it, or you were doing some yeah, stuff? I came, I came to Australia, oh, Jesus, 12 years ago now, mm. well, 13 years ago about. Came to Australia 13 years ago to do high school exchange for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, recreated that story that I have sat with for most of my life of I don't belong here mm-hmm. and I couldn't find a way to fit in in high school and I found it really hard to make friends and to make connections and all the things. And I um, ended up dating a guy that was not in high school. I actually, like, long story short, this is like a... It's funny because everyone, every time I've told this story, people are like, oh, my God, it's like in a movie. Um, 15 <laughs> or 16 years ago, I ran into him in a fire alarm in Prague and it was this instant like, oh, my God, who are you? And I gave him my email address and we ended up writing emails for a year before I came to Australia and then I was in Australia and then we ended up catching up and we ended up dating for the time that I was there. And um, after, you know, my high school exchange was over, it was like, oh, I'm leaving, whatever, seeing each other again. And, like, I was heartbroken. I thought this was, you know, the man. Um, Because teenagers have that. Like, you know, I had my rose-coloured glasses on and I've never had a man adoring me and and desiring me. And it was just such a different experience to anything I've ever had. So then, Mm -hmm. like, my anxious attachment style, which is something that I – I teach and I support people with it overcoming to be more secure. And my anxious attachment style was like, oh, my God, this is the one person i got to be with. Mm. So I massively fell in love, went back home to Germany, finished high school for the two years, and then the entire two years, like him and I were in contact, we went on holidays together. I flew to Australia to surprise him. He came here to, he came to Germany to travel with me. We met up in Thailand, all of these different things. And then as soon as I finished high school, on the day that I graduated, I flew out the same night. I didn't go to my um, graduation ball. I was like, fuck this, fuck this school, these friends, these people. I don't fit in. I don't belong here. I'm moving to Australia. Wow. Yeah, came to Australia and then that was a whole journey in itself, like moving to another country by yourself without Mm. family, without support, without friends at the age of 19 for for love essentially 
Mm. Um, and then finding, yeah, really finding my feet over here. Like, you know, I have, I've just finished high school. I've got no, I've got no career. I've got no education apart from high school. I've got a little bit of an idea of what direction I'd like to move into, but mm -hmm. everyone around me is telling me that's not a good idea. And in the past, when I was younger, I found it really easy to be persuaded by the people around me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I allowed that to happen over and over and over again. Mm. And I was quite clear that when I came over, because in Germany I had already worked in, in a gym, I was quite clear that I was like, I want to be a personal trainer. I was I want to work in the gym because the gym was the first it was the first place where I ever felt that I had power. It mm. was the first place where I ever felt like I was um that I was worthy. I was bullied in high school. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school or I was pushed from friend group to friend group to friend group over and over again. So it kept recreating that belief and that experience that I don't belong and I'm not good enough. Mm. And then I find the new friend group and it's like, I don't belong and I'm not good enough. And it just was this like ongoing journey of like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing of disruption. And then I found the gym and the gym was like, ah, oh, fucking belong here. This feels good. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden there was things that I could do and I was, you know, I was stronger than most girls my age. So, like, I would, you know, I'd be on the leg press machine in the gym and I'd have, like, 200 kilos on there and there were some guys that were like, damn, Leo, like, you're strong. <laughs> and then I had this tribe around me in the gym and I was like, this feels good. This is what I want to do. This is my purpose. Mm. I want to help other people that feel so that feels so like lonely or so much like all of these beliefs of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I want them to have that feeling. Mm. And that that feeling, and I, it's funny because once I was in the fitness industry, I helped so many women with that, but I recognised fairly quickly that that feeling or that push that I received from being in the gym and training, that mm -hmm. feeling that I got like, oh, this is good, that that was just a superficial dopamine hit in the moment. And once I started digging deep, deeper than that, recognizing that no nutrition plan or no training care plan can heal the belief that I'm not worthy. Mm. Mm. So that yeah. was when my journey to doing the inner work started. And that's when I had all of these middle-aged women as personal training clients that, you know, these were like women in their 40s to 50s that came to me and we talked so much about their stuff and yeah. I gave them a place where they felt seen and they felt heard and they finally felt understood. And these are women that were going through relationship breakups, that were going through their partners cheating on them, that were going through challenges with like what's going to happen with kids now that we're separating. They were going through all of these massive challenges that I personally had no idea about. Mm -hmm. And it made them feel like they're not enough and they're not worthy. But mm. because I've been through the journey of not feeling enough and not feeling worthy, which at the time I didn't even realize, but the questions that I was able to ask them and the support that I was able to give them, some of these women went, I'm not seeing my psychologist anymore. I'm giving you, I'm, I'm coming to see you more often because I'm getting more out of this than getting out of my psychologist session. Well, that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. Wow. Thank you. That was mm. that was beautiful, beautiful. What I find fascinating is how we 
and it's very familiar with me, is how we, the, the scars, the traumas, the belief systems that are instilled in us and held on by us lead us in a direction. And I, I, I know for myself, and, and, and I know we, we were just chatting off camera and we're sort of touching a little bit on this, um, and I say this with a lot of people who are moving into this this helping helping this this environment where the foundation or the motivation of why they help is from that space, and that's like it, it carries them for a while, but the foundation ultimately crumbles because it's not built on wholeness. It's built on a scar. It's built on a trauma. Mm. And talk, talk into that, Leo, because I know I watched your smile on your face as a recognition because <laughs> <laughs> I've got my thoughts on it because I think it's a very, it's an important space. But I'll, I'll pass back over to you. Yeah, there's so many pieces in, in the thing that you just shared. So the, the one thing where I started smiling was the piece where you shared around coming from wholeness. And I want to speak into that first because most of society is walking through the world believing that they're not enough or a lot of society is walking through the world needing, and the focus is on the needing, needing to find my other half to fulfil me. <laughs> and that's the first step to failing in a relationship. Yeah. When, I'm, when I'm believing that I need another person to fulfil me, needing to find my other half because the first step to incredible relationships is to have an incredible relationship with myself and that is to find and recognize that like I am wholeness within myself and finding all of the ways for myself to keep nourishing and nurturing that wholeness and to re keep reaffirming that wholeness to me and that's the journey of like self-discovery and all the different ways and like some of some of the ways that I've dived into that is you know astrology human design enneagrams um there's there's so many like more like Myers bricks like all of these different personality typing things that allow me to deeply deeply understand myself without getting stuck in that box mm. Mm. Like, and not using them as an excuse like so if I go if I go, oh, yeah, that's just me because I'm German and I'm a Capricorn, mm -hmm. then I'm putting myself into the box of I'm a Capricorn, so therefore I am X, Y, Z. And I see this so many times, especially with people that are into astrology. Yes, there is so much to that and there's so much truth to that and we are so much more than that. Mm -hmm. So it's like go into that box like go into that box and explore the hell out of that box, out of astrology, out of human design, out of Enneagrams, out of Myers-Briggs, out of like whatever else, archetypes, all of this. And so go into that box and like dig deep into that box and find all the things that you can find and then make sure that you come back out of that box because remember there's a million different boxes mm -hmm. that you might put yourself into. So the key is like wholeness is that you are all of these boxes and you will choose to not be whole when you go into a box and you get stuck there. Mm. Well, that's um, – so I look at it as ideologies. 
you know, ideologies are, are the the things that we grab onto that we try and um, facilitate a personality. And the thing that I look at for the insight that I've got for myself is that for many years I was operating from a personality that was created for me but not by me. And the exploration into those boxes I found was was great. You know, as you said, the um, personality profiling, the you know, the Myers-Briggs, the disc profiling, there's a swathe of ones that you can do which can give you a bit of a, an insight into it. Um, <clears throat> even the, um, and I sort of shudder, I'm, I'm not a fan of this book, by the way, uh, but I, I see there's a, there's a usefulness in it, is the, the Five Love Languages book. And because I what, I what I find is great is as you delve into and start to discover who you are, from that perspective, you actually ask your question, ask the question, why am I that? Mm-hmm. And that actually is incredibly liberating, if I can speak properly today, it's incredibly, incredibly liberating if you can actually have the courage to ask yourself why and let go of that, that I, part of your identity because what that allows is, is something more beautiful to come forward, mm-hmm. which, is, which is quite incredible. You know, and, and I think that's what we. But anyway, keep going because I, I I love where you're going with this. I love the the, the exploration that because we we all we all look outside of ourselves continuously for an answer, and that's yeah. that exploration. But yeah. there's that tipping point where okay. go <laughs> go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. We constantly look outside of us for all of these answers when mm. actually all of the answers are already within us. Mm. And I believe all the things outside of us are just the tools and the practices, the things that can help us guide us there. Yeah, or distract us from not going there. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. It's like I can yeah. utilise the environment around me as a place to be like, oh, how, how can that support me in inquiring deeper about myself? Or mm. I can go, how can I distract myself further from going inwards? Because going inwards and sitting with yourself is actually a fucking scary place. Mm. Mm. And most of society choose not to do that because it's confronting. And it's um, you said something just before, and it will come back in a second, but it has to do with what we spoke into and what you first started this, um, this conversation with um, around the scars and the beliefs and all of the different things that, that we um, that are created that we create throughout life and how that then creates the reality that we that we live in. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, you know, as I, as I grow up, I have um, it's just coming back the thing that you said, which is great. This is the beauty of a space. Yes, it is. Like, oh, you said there, we we, we fumble we, over our words. The why. The mm. you said the why. Like we ask these questions why, and when we ask the question why, it and we ask the question why within us rather than why outside of us. That's where the power of the magic lies. Because it was in for you. You said that in regards to the love language. It's like why is my love language touch. Why is that? But if I actually inquire deeper and I recognize that, and I know that you know this because we sat in the very first meditation workshop together that was the start of this journey, guys, workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
which is all the things that, you know, Bruce Lipton and Jody Spencer teach around that our reality and our belief systems are created between the age of zero to seven. Mm-hmm. So all of the things that we did or didn't receive in that period of time and all the beliefs around us and all the trauma that occurred for us in that period of time is what creates and shapes our adulthood. Mm-hmm. So why is my why is my love language um, coming back? Touch is maybe because as a child I was craving that and I didn't receive that. Yeah, yeah. Why do I feel so uncomfortable with receiving words of affirmation or I had to learn to become more comfortable with receiving words of affirmation is because it was never really given to me because in German society it's like it's a very like blunt and strict and straightforward like in, in society where we're like we don't have these like loving open-hearted fluffy conversations it's like it's like Duncan we have this meeting let's go Mm. I don't need to know what your I don't need to know what your day was. We have to go. We have one <laughs> hour. Let's go into it. Nobody can ask questions once we're in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you how you are, how your life is. We don't have time. We got to be so productive. <laughs> I, having had a German German grandmother who was subtle as a sledgehammer, I remember saying that to her one time, and, and she was deeply offended. Which you know, it was it was it was meant out of humor and love, but uh, yeah, yeah. But it, you're right. It, this is what we start to see, uh, and I, I love that we've tapped into this area because it's something that's been really coming forward for me. Is understanding the concept of uh, you know, if we look at the concept of a womb. You know, the womb is is an incredible space for a growth of of a child, mm. and we the the wisdom that sits in that space, and the nutri- nutrients that sit in that space, and the protection, and everything that sort of sits in that space is just gorgeous. But what I started to see was there is, and it was part of was was insights from the work of Gabriel Mate, uh, who who does a lot of work on trauma. And one of the, he was a Hungarian, uh, he, uh, he was born in Hungary and he's actually a, a beautiful MD. Most people have either touched base with him. If you haven't, we'll encourage you to look into some of his insights. And he tells a story when he was in Hungary and there was, there, there was the war was going on around and he was crying a lot. And his mother called the local equivalent of a pediatrician, doctor, whatever the title he had, and and saying, can you come and see Gabor? He's not settled. And he said, yes, but I'll just let you know all the children are unsettled. And you go, wow, that's really fascinating. Now, he was born at the, you know, obviously born. He wasn't in utero at the time. But it was the energetics of what was around him. The the And what I'm starting to see is the importance of, of a calibrated nervous system. And we see with from zero, uh, from conception to, to birth through to zero to seven years of age, there's an almost needs to be an awareness of the nervous system of that child, how to bring it into, into its fullness. And it's almost like there has to be a, it's almost like a womb of 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 holding that space from a parent perspective 
not you know if if there is the ability to have both the parents in the equation which is what is 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 beautiful but to be able to hold that space to be able to allow that child to come fully online so those years from zero to seven are the years where that nervous system is fully calibrated to the soul not the mind so the mind what i start to see is the mind is 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 a tool but it's a bit like putting the cart in front of the horse if we're running purely from the mind and not from the soul so we need if we can actually work with that with the child because initially they come come into this world with a very extrinsic focus they're reflex orientated the babies have the babinski and the gallant reflex and palmer reflex they have all these reflexes that get them to, i'm dancing in my chair for people who can't see um but you know they, they have all these movements that are going on that is actually stimulated by the world to get them to go into postural control and if that's interrupted we see that there can be cognitive issues down the track or visual processing issues down the track is one aspect of things or movement issues and coordination so we've got to allow those things to be satisfied satisfied but what we actually also find is is that every all their needs are externally based but there needs to be the wisdom to be able to calibrate that back into an internal identity and we see that i've seen that with my granddaughter who's just eight and the questions he's asking around the seven six seven eight are quite profound questions if you have if you listen carefully because they're all about an internal question they're all about trying to understand her internal world and being able to flip that external identity into an internal so this is really fascinating of actually because we here we are you know, with, with parents that have, haven't known this, and there's no shame and blame and condemnation, yeah. but we've we've effectively gone down this process of 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 samskaras, as Mickey Singer would call it, the, the scars and the traumas, and and we've created a personality that's extrinsic. We haven't learned how to have an intrinsic one, and you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of age, we're having to do this work to actually recalibrate this nervous system reconnect in with our soul which i find is fascinating but that yeah that's that's where i'm sort of heading with a lot of my i i love that and i want to ask i want to ask two uh rhetorical questions that mm -hmm. i think are supported for the audience that are showing them why these why these conversations and why doing this work is so important which is like all of the things that you've just shared around like you know like the 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 way that babies function and the way that we that babies are functioning through like is essentially through the kinesthetic experience through like the the world of feeling right yes. they're experiencing the world through feeling and doing and like not through the mind but through the body and yes. how can we expect parents to support their children's nervous system if they don't even know how to regulate their own absolutely and then the other pieces that I love what you shared around your um, your niece, all of the questions that she's asking because you're because you're so involved in your emotional intelligence that you're so aware of what the questions are actually pointing towards that you can actually respond to those questions and support her in diving deeper into that. Mm. But then if I look at society as a whole, most of society is so disconnected from their bodies. So... And this is why, like, children don't feel supported in that because I just look back at my own childhood. My parents have just been back over here for another four weeks and they were actually, in last year, they were I was with them for nine weeks of the year, which is a long time. Um, and I've really seen now how disconnected my father is from his emotions. 
Mm. And when I share or ask any questions about the internal world or the inner compass or like emotions, feelings, like complete, like, you know, complete avoidance of that entire world. And when you shared this, these questions of your little niece, I was just imagining my little girl because the, with the, the type of personality that I am and the mm-hmm. things that I shared earlier around like the not belonging and like the intense amount of like feeling and sensation I can feel in my body, like mm-hmm. any of that stuff that I would have shared, my dad would have just shut down, which created the person that I am today and which created why it took me finding that for so long. Like I didn't feel my body for so long and now, like, I can have an energetic orgasm by breathing from my body. Mm-hmm. And, like, five years ago, I would have looked at that and been like, that's fake, that's weird, that's X, Y, Z. But it's just because I was so disconnected from my feeling and from my inner world and from the kinesthetic experience that was available to me because mm. it was shut down for most of my life. Yeah, wow. It's, that's amazing. Great insight there because that's what we – so a couple of things I'd actually love to sort of step into because what I'm what I'm looking at is, and again I'm I'm looking at it from my recognizing an aspect of myself. I had a had an upbringing that was very, how would I say? It was beautiful questions, but it it was always on the premise that the world is a dangerous place is is the premise. So it was a it was a that that was a, if I really feel into that, that's what the the foundation would have been and it it was a very frustrated angry environment that i was uh, certainly from my my father's perspective and i love my love my dad to bits but you know there was that space of that high energy side of things which is really interesting because the thing that i look at was i started to get an understanding of what feeling and emotions were because what I'd noticed with myself, and I remember having a conversation with my father many years ago, and we got onto the topic of what I was like as a child, and he said, you were so emotional, we didn't know how to work with you. And I went, ooh, fascinating. So what I did was I've, I've really been unpacking this a little bit more, and I've looked at if you don't have a nervous system that's come, it, is not, it hasn't come online um, in its in its fullness, in its wholeness, probably is the, the, the great word. And when I say wholeness, I'll clarify that for me, is that wholeness is your calibration with your soul, not your mind. So your mind, you can break a mind, you can break a heart, but you can't break a soul. So that's that's your foundation point. That's the, that's the where I sort of come from with things. And what I find is that the nervous system is not calibrated to that. What will happen is, is there'll be like a proxy nervous system that's created, which is an emotional nervous system not a feeling nervous system. Mm-hmm. So so to define feeling and emotion, this is how I define it, is feelings of what we experience through our senses. And if you want to go into the noble senses of imagination and intuition as well, so the seven senses that we actually have. But most, if we just look at the five senses, the five common senses, we have those feelings that they come through. Then as those feelings are, are consciously innovated or unconsciously innovated, which is more the case, is that we step into emotions. And what we find is if we do not, if it's not calibrated with the soul, we don't have the ability to regulate. So we 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 see, and you would have seen it with the, having a, a German father as well, there's a zero to a thousand degrees. 
you know, there's an absolute. It, and where they we would call them emotionless, it may be the soft and fuzzy emotions, but there's a very strong, angry emotion. You know, yeah. but that, so there's this real sort of um, they're not calibrated to their soul. They're calibrated to this 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 mind, which creates this dysfunctional nervous system, which is a hyper emotional state. So we end up like a joint. If a joint is inflamed, it becomes immobile. And it doesn't take much for that joint to maintain its inflammation. So if you roll your ankle and you, and then you go and step and you slightly roll it, it actually hurts even more. And you keep it just keeps staying inflamed. And this is this is what our nervous system's like. So we're in this hyper inflated, inflamed nervous system that we've created this proxy identity and a proxy energy, which is the emotions, as opposed to being able to regulate those down. Because we know, as you mentioned, from an orgasm perspective, that's a re- that moves from a feeling to a very heightened emotion. Mm. But if we when stay in that space all the time, there's an addiction. Yes. And we keep yeah. craving that if we can't regulate that, if we can't bring that back down. And especially I know um, you've done a lot of work with the tantric environment as well, is that, you know, from us guys' perspective, if we are continually exploding our, our orgasm out and not bringing it back in to regulate our body, yeah. Then we we actually start to crave more the explosion as opposed to the integration, which is great. But anyway, you're smiling away. And, 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 and the holding and the recreating of that energy. So if I've got any men that are listening, I would highly recommend looking into semen retention and what that can do for men. Mm. Because it's actually it's it's such an incredible journey. But I want to I want to tap onto the nervous system stuff that you shared because the entire time as you were sharing that I had the image in front of my mind of the uh, window of tolerance. Say again, the window of tolerance? Window of tolerance. For your nervous yep. So, you know, I've got the window of tolerance, which is like where my nervous system is regulated. Mm-hmm. And then the things that are happening in life around me, they trigger me, they do something and like my nervous system feels dysregulated and I go into a trauma response, which is fight, flight, freeze or fall. Mm-hmm. And when you know and you're aware of the some of the signs of fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, you start seeing them in the people around you. Yes. And you start to notice that some people are always in a trauma response mm. and are always in that state. So the more the more these experiences I'm having and the more it, that it triggers these experiences, the more it keeps me in those experiences and the more it lowers my window of tolerance, meaning mm-hmm. that my window tolerance is smaller and it's harder for me to stay in a regulated space yes but the more that i practice things like breath work things like meditation things Mm -hmm. like self-awareness self-growth things like you know like all of the ways that i can do the work and you know this is a journey for each person to discover for themselves because breath work may be my path but it may not be your path and all of these things the more that i expand and grow into that the more I can expand my window of tolerance and the more I can create awareness of like, oh, I'm noticing my body going into freeze now. And now that I'm aware of it, I can actually speak into this. And yes. I notice my body going into freeze or going into fawn and I'm with my, you know, I'm with my lover and we're in a conversation and something triggers me and my whole body just like freezes. And I'm like, oh, I'm noticing like, and I actually speak it out loud and I was like, I'm noticing that my body's going into fawn, listening to what you just shared, and I, then I go into my mind, and I'm actually have the awareness that most of the time I can 
pinpoint where that is coming from. Yes, yes. So there's enough awareness in my trauma response that I don't have to be stuck in my trauma response, but instead I can speak into my trauma response, which then goes, ah, more awareness and allows momentum of tolerance to grow because I'm no longer stuck in the trauma response. I'm now in awareness, in conscious awareness in my trauma response rather than in an unconscious trigger. And that supports my lover to understand me on a deeper level rather than me going like, freezing up and not being able to say anything and then him getting angry or like why aren't you saying anything which would just shut me down more and then it would just like keep creating it will lower my window of tolerance and it was would create more disruption this connection between us love it love it because this is what we actually find this is what a you, you see people saying i need to get healthy so or they might go through i'm i've got anxiety or I've got depression or a I've got a, a a disease, the presence of a disease. So I need to combat that. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to do meditation. Um, I might do some breath work. Um, I might jump in and do some ice baths. I might do some exercise. I'll start looking at foods that maybe um, calm my system down. I may look at Ayurvedic medicines to be able to look at the physiology of the body a little bit more. Uh, I might do some energetic work. I might do a plant medicine journey. So there's all these modalities we go down on. But what I'm finding is, is it's a bit of a shotgun approach because what we're doing is we're we're, symptom, we're focusing on a symptom, trying to control a symptom as opposed to, and this is why I think it's really important to actually come back to is that what you're trying to do is to, to your words, you're trying to open up that window of tolerance, that resilience. You're exercising that resilience muscle. To be able to exercise that resilience muscle, there needs to be a release-receive thing created. So the release is the release of the inflamed nervous system, the hyper-responsive nervous system, and being able to get that to calm down. But to be able to do that, there needs to be a foundation, and that's the recognition of the innate. That's the recognition of you are. So one of the great examples that I've used, and it seems to resonate with quite a few people, is if you sit there for 30 seconds and observe your thoughts, and after you observe those thoughts, ask yourself the question, am I my thoughts or am I the observer of my thoughts? And if you go, oh, shit, I'm the observer of my thoughts, great, start there. That's a beautiful place to go in because now you're actually starting to tap into the language of the innate. You're actually starting to have that presence go in. So the foundation recognition of the innate that you are not a an artefact of the past in your programs, which is a Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza work. You know, there's so much information out there. You are, and then as you as you recognise who you are, then recognise the dysfunction. And when I say dysfunction, I don't mean that you're so dysfunctional, but I mean the dysregulation, the lack of the 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 window of tolerance, the lack of the the resilience, the ability, the zero to a thousand degrees, the emotional charge that you run from day in day out. If you wake up in the morning and straight away you're in an anxiety state, your nervous system is primed. And it is so important now to actually look at. There are so many modalities out there, Leo, isn't it? There's just yeah, it, so you don't need to go and create more. Just tap into one. Just just jump into one yeah. and work it through. Don't run it as a religion or an ideology that you, you <laughs> hold on to as this is my identity now. Yeah, you know, treat it like like a, a you would get a, a present. Unwrap it, get the life out of it, throw the box away. 
you know, it's, it's, the same, it's the same box principles. Like, mm. oh, there's the box of meditation. Let's dive in. Oh, yep. cool. Like, and this is how it started for me, right? I, I went deep into meditation for mm. like a good one to four years probably. But the first, like the first six months meditation was the only thing that I did actively massively. Yeah. And then I just kept adding more boxes and then like my meditation box is still there, but I don't need to meditate on a daily basis anymore. Um, but there's a thing that I wanted to add to what you shared around the – I'm sweating balls over here because it oh, it's oh, been so hot over up here for like weeks. I feel like I've sweated for three weeks now and I haven't stopped. <laughs> like just hot and humid. But there's something that I wanted to add to something that you shared of just taking that 30 seconds of going inwards and going like, am I my thoughts or am I the observer of my thoughts? And that is the difference. That is what will create difference of whether I'm reacting to this or whether I'm responding mm. to this. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the awareness piece that I have to, that I have to constantly learn to go rather than to go, oh, the bloody guy in front of me just break so hard, like what an asshole, rather than to go, oh, I hope everything is okay. Something could have happened on the road. Oh, what about this? What about this? There's so many like different mm. things that could have happened that that happened. But most people go straight away to the assumption of like this is the thing and like and it's their fault and they're going to the, the state of blaming, shaming, making assumptions, which mm -hmm. reminds me of another book that I've, read a long time ago and I've just started I've just read it again because it's so helpful for my clients is the four agreements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollow. Be impeccable with your word. Yeah. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. I, I what it is 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 one of the things I look at is the story that I'm telling myself is this. So Thank when you. something happens, yeah. and I'm not sure who 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 kicked that off, but it's something that sort of sits really well with me, is but it's the the diligence, the absolute attention and importance of actually focusing on not fueling a hyper inflated nervous system. It is yeah. so so important because you know when you're not in ease. You're in unease, and then dis-ease or disease is the is the is the is the process, and and so the first point that and, and it's a lovely course that I've been doing with the quantum movement with Jace Reynolds up your way, actually, lovely guy, actually. He one of the principles is is always finding ease. Ease is the foundation of everything. So we look at all these modalities that we do, be it the breath work, be it um, meditation be it cold therapy be it sweat therapy which you're doing at the moment be it yeah. uh, you know it, it, what it is 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 being able to actually circuit break hack stop create a pause the the the, the, the space between the inspire and expire you know the breath in and the breath out find mm. that space that breath hold or the breath release and then the hold and that, yeah. what that does is it's actually starting to exercise this movement of ease. Once you find ease, then you can really connect in with yourself. And yeah. once you connect in with yourself, then you can have awareness. And out yes. of awareness comes understanding. And then 
he can flow into those different modalities. And I think that's the thing that we're we're finding. And this is this is what so this is this is probably the premise of why I really wanted to start nutritious conversations was getting people to have conversations, but not just to hear what the other person is saying, which is important for listening, but to hear what you're saying, how you're communicating. Can you put words around what you're saying? Can mm. you be can you have grace in how you receive yourself afterwards after you fumble over your words? But it's getting used to you being able to have that in, that uh, that functional internal dialogue, not the the repetition brain, which the thoughts we you know ninety percent of the thoughts we thought yesterday and today we're going to think tomorrow, and it's going to keep going and going and going and going and going. The yeah. know, monkey brain, but that ability to actually have conscious. What am I trying to say here? And why am I trying to say it? And where is it coming from? Sorry, Leo, I'm going off on tangents. Here. Three pieces that you just shared that I want to piece together. I don't want to put Lovely. them together. So there's a there's a piece that you shared of like this this is the story that I'm telling myself. Mm-hmm. And there's the piece around um, um overthinking and going looping in the mind. Mm-hmm. And there's the the piece around creating ease rather than creating unease. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like this is so helpful for relationships, and this is one of the reasons why in relationship conflict is created, and why in relationship um, cracks are created in in the connection, which mm-hmm. is the piece around he or she said something, and the story that I'm telling myself is something else, mm-hmm. and then I overthink that and ruminate that in my thoughts over and over and over again until the thing that was actually easeful creates so much unease that I'm feeling so connect, disconnected and so hurt and then like, unlikely I'm able to actually communicate that from a regulated state because I'm in that dysregulated trauma state and, and then I'm communicating from a place of like, you made me feel that and now I'm... And then I'm nagging on all the things and then I'm creating so much fire in that connection. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's like people think that they need better ways to to um, resolve the conflict, but they actually need better ways to speak into the story when it is being created. Mm. So I want to I make an example of that. Of um, I was going to use a personal example and then I chose that I'm going to use a client's example instead. So and I'm going to use a client's example that is, um, I believe, occurring in most people's relationships so that most people get something out of this. So the example is that this couple goes out for dinner and I'm just going to use he and she, but it could be the opposite way around and it could also be she and she or he and he or they, they, you know, like I just want to share that as well. So couple goes out for dinner And they have an agreement that, like, life is full and life is busy and, like, you know, they have children, like, and, like, there's children's involved, there's, like, full-time jobs involved, there's businesses involved, there's, like, life is really full. There's always a lot going on. Like, really, we don't always have the time to sit down and have these conversations and all of that. The life is really full and we're making an agreement and a commitment to go out for dinner once a week. Mm. So they're going out for dinner and he sits there and he's on his phone. And he does all of these things on, the, on his phone and she sits there and the story that she's telling herself is that you're on your phone, I don't matter. I ne- and So the story is 
you're on your phone, I don't matter. He keeps being on his phone, so the story keeps going into, I don't matter, I never matter, you always do this, how dare you never see me, you're never present with me, why are we always doing this, why am I even doing this, why am I doing this to myself, I shouldn't be in this relationship, like I don't deserve this, I deserve better, you don't even love me, you're not even showing me anything, like you're showing me that I just I just don't matter, you never make me a priority, and, like, and she just keeps buying into that story. Mm. the entire time because he's on the phone she just as she's waiting there for him getting off the phone she keeps buying into her own story of all of these negative things and starts looping into this negative story into these negative things until she comes potentially to the conclusion of like why am i even doing here like we shouldn't be Mm. together Mm. but the reality of it is that they love each other and they care for each other they want to be together but she's created all of these stories and mm-hmm. this is not the first time she's created this story because this is not the first time he's on this phone or this is not the first time that he's prioritised work over her or his children over her or his mates over her. So every single time he prioritises something else over her, it reaffirms to her that I'm not a priority. This is something else that's important to him. Mm. But rather than to communicate the piece around like, hey, I really want to spend time with you, she sits there in anger and resentment, not bringing it up, until that keeps coming up and then she fucking explodes. Mm. Mm. She goes, I never matter. And all of these stories come out rather than the truth. Mm. And these couples communicate their complaints and their hurt and their pain. And what that does, it it triggers the other person into their hurt and their pain because it triggers their past traumas and their past things. Yeah, yeah. Underneath that complaint that she's communicating, there was just that desire that while they were sitting at dinner, she just wanted to look into his eyes and she just wanted to feel seen and heard and have an amazing date night with him. Yeah, yeah. So what yeah. if she would have been courageous enough to in the moment of having dinner to ask him, hey, babe, I'd really love for you to be present with me. How much more time do you need on your phone before you can do that? Mm. Mm. And I'm asking an open-ended question because I'm recognizing, I'm observing my thoughts and recognizing that he runs a business and he's got things to do and he's got children and there could be something important. I'm recognizing that it could be something important that he's on his, doing on his phone mm. and I'm inviting him back into presence with me because the deeper desire that I have is to sit here in presence with my partner having dinner with him. I love that because I think this is something I want to jump in on this because that's it's really so this for me in this that moment there's two things that are going on one is the trigger one is the 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 partner sitting there in this state of I'm not enough or I want you to be more for me so there's that that side of things the other part is is the establishment of a sacred contract the, the contract that you have. So if you're, for me, being in a, a beautiful marriage with, with, with Kat, is that there is a sacred contract that we actually have that we're committing that we're going to be in a relationship together and we're going to dance in this world together. And, and I, the analogy of the dance is so important because mm. there's two individuals, you know, doing the dance and I might go off and do some spins, probably can't do too many spins. I'm not good at spinning, but uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know she might do a bit of break dancing in the corner. But but the, ultimately we're we're dancing on the same floor, 
most of the time. And there might be times I'll go off and learn my own dance, I won't go on this analogy too far. But what we start to find is, is that there is a sacred agreement. And part of the beauty of it, and this is this is where it'd be lovely to, we might even start to sojourn into this because it seems to be naturally flowing into this, is is this is connection, is 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 having agreements with 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 people and certainly sacred agreements, because I the the terminology blood is thicker than water has has always been interpreted as um blood is like my brother or sister or mum or dad. Well, it's actually not it. Water is the water of the womb. So the connection mm-hmm. is through the womb, through that 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 connection. Blood is thicker than water. Why would blood be thicker than water? Well, you know, the symbolism of a marriage covenant is 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 the blood covenant where we've actually like that's stronger than family. And it means that that I I you know I my you, you are the prior, you are the priority you're the person I'm contracting with and I'm doing it and it, and ideally doing it from a calibrated nervous system and a calibrated soul that you're coming into this relationship and as you're finding and you would be finding within your uh, the the therapy and the the, the courses that you you're holding and all that you, you, you there are people coming into that haven't calibrated their own nervous system. Having calibrated with their own their own soul and their own their own innate beauty of who they are, so they've now in a relationship, an agreement, a contract with somebody else, where you've got two people that are uncalibrated or, or dysregulated in themselves. How the hell can you have a regulated relationship? Well, you can. You can play by numbers and do the five love languages and say, okay, your love language is a smack on the ass and a tap on the head. And mine is, is if you, you know, you cook me a nice meal every single night. And we can you can you can actually have a perfectly function well, you can have a functioning relationship, but it's not regulated. I, I would challenge that <laughs> it'd be regulated. I would, yeah, I would I would say that it's lacking depth. Because yes. we're not but yeah, it's it's super it's superficial. Because we're not going these layers deeper because we're scared of feeling heard and we're scared of putting our stuff on the table. Mm. And um, I love what you're sharing around the sacred contract because, yes, there is there is a sacred, unconscious, unspoken contract that we get into into relationship. Mm-hmm. But to actually get into a relationship, there also needs to be spoken agreements and a spoken contract. Like an unspoken contract that is clear to most people is that when I get into a relationship, I don't sleep with anyone else. Mm. But I don't know if you've ever lived in the Northern Rivers. In the Northern Rivers, (laughs) most people are polyamorous. Most people are open-related. So you actually need to communicate really well and be like, what style of relationship are you into? And Mm. it's actually in the Northern Rivers, it's actually quite hard to find anyone that would be open for a monogamous relationship Mm. because most people are polyamorous and open-related. Yeah, and so there's all of these, and this is just really like a really, you know, broad and a really like easy example. But I see this so often that couples get into, they get to know each other and they like, they fall into this trap of like, oh my God, this could be the man, which is often, or the woman, which is often the anxious attachment style speaking. Mm-hmm. And they go like, put their rose colored glasses on and they're like, oh my God, this could be the perfect relationship. And they dive into the relationship without having talked about all the things that are actually important for relationship. Like what are your values that you live by in everyday life? What are the important things for you? What are some like complete deal breakers that would would mean that this relationship will not work? 
Mm. And what are the things that maybe seem to show up as red flags, but are they red flags or is there, are they something that we could work out? Do you mm. want children? Do you not want children? Like, or do you have children? Are you open to me having children and like you being a stepdad? All of these conversations, they're, they're deep and they bring up our stuff. Like, mm. what are your deepest fears in a relationship? Like, mm. oh, like the fear of abandonment, like all of that stuff. When I can talk about these things, then I can create an incredible relationship because I have awareness not just of my own stuff but of my partner's stuff as well. So I can take that into consideration as we're moving through life together. That's and this perfect. is why I love like this is why I love working with couples because most couples that come to me they haven't embarked on this journey of self-development and they recognize that there's a disruption or dysfunction in their in their relationship two way and they could just keep going the way they are mm. because it's it's okay and it works and most people go through life through with these relationships because they don't know that there's something else out there. They don't know that, like, there's even more incredible intimacy out there. Most people have just fallen into a pattern of this is what sex looks like mm. and then feeling dissatisfied, dissatisfied and then starting to fake orgasms and all of these things, but they don't know how to communicate something else because they haven't explored for themselves and therefore they don't know how to communicate that with their partner and it's like I have too much of fear to be alone so therefore I'm staying in this because it's okay and it works and like I love this person so like I should just stay with them mm. rather than actually going like there is so much more out there yeah 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 this is what we you, you, like I've been married three times you know and I'm either shit at it or I've learned something along the way um, hopefully the latter is more the case actually I'm pretty sure it is I'd and- love to hear your top your top three learnings from your long-term relationships because how long have you yeah. been with cat for uh cat and i a bit over 10 years now yeah and yeah, i'd uh, love so, to hear your top three learnings for the audience on, yeah like successful well, long-term well, relationships yeah look top three own your shit number one own your shit and explore it that, that's not number two but I, I think it's i'll keep that as number one is really owning your shit get to know who you are the second thing is is actually really hold as divine the importance of holding space. It is so important to hold space. And it doesn't mean, and that, especially as a bloke, don't come in there and rescue straight away. Hold that space. And then the third thing is, is being able to have open, clear, no holes barred conversation from that space of, from a connected space. And that connected space is yourself, connected with yourself. Mm. And if you can have those three elements, because I think the most important thing, or one of the most important things about a relationship is, and it, not even important, one of the greatest blessings of a relationship is being able to be in the same space as somebody for a long period of time. And the only way you can do that is to be able to be okay to be in your own space for a long period of time. <clears throat> and if you can do that, then there's a natural flow out. They're the fruits. And we can't, and so, yeah, they're probably my top three, you know. Yeah. So it's that they're, they're, they're powerful things. And I noticed, I know for myself, that was the biggest sojourn that I made when the second marriage I was in broke down and was 
moving away from the need to blame that other person but hold myself entirely accountable for who I am and my actions in that space. Mm. And it's, it's hard because you've got to sit in that sweat lodge of your own emotions big time. You've got to sit there and you've got to sit there and you've got to sit there. And, you, and it's so easy to blame somebody else. But, but what you're doing is, is that you're, you're not, there's no growth in that when you start blaming other people. I, I put a post up and I noticed you actually put a post very similar along the similar lines. And it was along the lines of um, the, the one that I had was about, you know, if you want to exit the matrix, go in, not out. Mm. You know, again, your one was along the lines of triggers. You know, go into those triggers and have a look at those triggers. And really, and I, I was watching some of the comments and there was a comments that were, there was a dialogue that was made within that with somebody who was trying to understand it at a greater depth, which I thought was courageous of her to do that. Yeah. I think it, I think it was a her. The courageous of that person to do that because it showed a determination. I want to understand. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's probably if I had a fourth thing is the desire to understand in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And to do that first, you've got to have that desire to understand within yourself. I want, I want to understand this. I really want to understand this. Show me. And then when you're actually chatting to that person, it's the easiest thing to do is to listen. It's the simplest thing to do. It, to listen to somebody is one want to actually understand what they're saying. It's not easy. Yeah. Because... Even in conversations we have, we hear because you and I are pretty passionate individuals. I can see you lighting up, and I'm going, "Shit, I'd like to go. Yeah, you want to go this?" And it's like, "All right, calm it back down. Let's go back into here. What, what do you want to explore in this moment?" Sort of thing, yeah. you know. And, and, and that's the stuff that I, I find is is so important in a relationship. So yeah, probably those four four things. Sorry, I threw another one in there. <laughs> I want to I want to add one to that because I love all of them. Like yeah, yeah. self responsibility was your number one. Like owning your shit and getting to know yourself. Yes. And that's like, that's always my number one thing with, with clients that I work with, like bringing mm-hmm. them back, teaching them to share everything from the I perspective. Yeah. And it's, a, it's actually a concept that's called the responsibility um, concept or living above or below the line. So it's a, it's a commitment to myself where I'm choosing to stop blaming, shaming and judging and quitting. Mm-hmm. And when I stop those actions, then I can take full self-responsibility. Yeah. Um, so those, that's always my number one. So I love that it was your number one as well. And I want to add another one to it, which I think is so, like, it's so simple and, like, it's so easily forgotten when there is conflict or when there is disruption in partnership, which is to recognise that we're, we're, on the, we're on the same team. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not here to, like, win one person's point we're not here to go you're right i'm wrong it's like we're on the same team we're moving into the same direction we're on this we're on and in this together the point that we want to come to is in the middle it's not in one person's or the other person's court Mm. yes yes absolutely and that's i love that i I love that, that that's the the dysfunctional aspect of that is us against the world and i see that in a lot of young relationships and there is there is this yeah the world is it, it, it's us you know we're taking on the world we're taking on the world yeah that's not a healthy space to be in for my under my experience i've been in a relationship with that and it's very 
it's very isolating and very cultish in its in its in its fruits and and i think you know that's a that's a really important part the other thing that i i, I look at is i'm going to get my train of thought back with this again but one of the other aspects i look at with um oh that's where i was going to go with it is trying to solve a problem in the middle of a crisis mm, thank you yes <laughs> <laughs> not a good time to do it yeah and because if you're underwater it's not time to take a breath all right get up take a breath what the breath is is synonymous with is is connection with soul or spirit, if you want to use that language. So breath and spirit are interchangeable word, religious-wise. So the ability to actually take a breath. So what what is important is the practice. It's the practice of the conversations. It's the presence. It's the and and we can we can prescribe this in a in a relationship in you know for for a relationship where it's like date night is it is one way of doing it the problem with date night is is that it, it's great that it's structured but life <laughs> does get in the way at times so yeah. can we actually have the practice of date night in every day can we actually have that practice of it and it's it's uh, there, there was a there was a couple and a Actually, you, I, I, I'll see if I can find who they were again. I might have to refer it on to you again. And it's yeah. this lovely couple, and they were talking about tantric. I was trying to learn a little bit about tantric myself. And and one of the things they do is a conscious redo, which is another important part about it for a relationship, is, is, is the ability, because sometimes we actually say things. And I'm learning this actually in a course, this course that I'm actually doing. How do I receive myself after I've said something or done something that is not really my highest expression how do i receive myself after that and if i receive myself with blame shame and guilt i'm screwed i'm reiterating a, a dysfunctional element of myself but if i receive myself in that moment and just go yeah i see you i hear you could we have done something a bit differently yeah absolutely Mm. Is there anything you can do in this moment that could recalibrate that? And and I love the conscious redo that this couple would talk about where they would actually say you either take the ownership yourself or the other person down the track could actually just put a hand on their shoulder later on and said, probably could have done a conscious redo about that. So an example, let's bring some life into this, is if I was, you know, having a having if I snapped it at cat for example because i'm focused on what i've got to do you know i need to get some stuff done and, and I, yeah i'll get to that sort of thing you know and and a conscious redo would be because we do we had those moments where we go i could have spoken better in that moment we, we should if you haven't got that start exercising that muscle encourage you to do that but at that moment where i say, oh, hang on honey I, I want to do a conscious redo on that now i'm not i'm not saying the, the abusive thing with somebody's in a violent relationship and somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, I was just frustrated. No, that's abuse. Don't, you know, and especially even verbally if you're doing that, if you're in a relationship with that and that excuse is coming up, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you shouldn't have frigging done that. If you're not seeing change in that, then the change needs to occur through through courage, your own courage. But from my perspective, to be able to go, hey, hun, 
I, I could have spoken better. This is what was going on in my space at this point in time. And verbalizing what was going on, I was really finding that I couldn't find a balance in myself and I was really out of balance and, and this, this, and this was going on. I was spiraling and all that sort of stuff. Now, it does one of two things. One, it gets you to actually understand your internal space, which is so important. What was precluding your outburst? What was precluding the way you were the way you were feeling, how you were emotionally charged, how your nervous system was really online. What was precluding that? Because if I can understand that a little bit more, then I can actually be the master regulator. I can And I can change that for the future. And I can just that before that in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing is is that as you verbalize that to the other person, it's saying, I value you. Mm. And I value the way I talk to you. And I want you to know that. Now, it doesn't excuse what I've done, but I'll take responsibility for that and I'm going to come back online. Now, if, it, if the pattern keeps on going, that's, you know, this is the beauty of, I, I guess, therapy, <laughs> isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the, the counselling side of things. So that's that's something I, yeah, I just wanted to add into that because I think that's a really, we need to have grace in a relationship because we're not perfect. And a yes. lot of us have come, on to the, come into this world with a zero to seven years age of a nervous system that's been programmed dysfunctionally yeah. and we're trying to find a way back home and yeah. so we need to have grace with each other we need to not pull each other's weeds to use that analogy yeah, yeah. just because we think that that person needs to be sprayed with biocide because they've got too many weeds maybe they actually want you to just have some space and leave that area alone <laughs> we, we don't need we don't need like in that in that time of zero to seven we've likely had enough people blaming us and judging us and telling us what we should and shouldn't do and how we should and shouldn't be. Mm. We don't need another person in our life telling us how we should and shouldn't be. We need a person in our life that can meet us with love and compassion so that we can stop buying into the stories of judging, blaming, overthinking and all of that. We need more love and compassion. And I love two points that I wanted to catch on. Like I love the, the framing of a conscious reframe. Because I've, I've never had a word for it, but I've, you know, I've said to clients like, when in the moment that you notice that you said something that you didn't, you know, just came across in a different way that you didn't want it to, say in that moment, "Can I try that again?" Actually, let me try that again. Perfect. And mm. do the same thing in a different way that it's received better, because mm. right away that's reframing your unconscious mind, mm. and it's framing the way that you're communicating with your partner, and your partner goes. Oh, they did notice that that was, oh, I can receive that better. And I've done that. I've done that before. And I've done that in the moment before. And I've also done that a week later before Mm. when I went, hey, babe, remember last week I wasn't able to do the thing. Can I do that for you now? Can I try that again? Yes. Yeah. And the other thing that like that really like it really lands for me because for me it's so like it's so obvious, but I think it's great to reinforce this for the audience again of like when you're dysregulated and you're in conflict and when you're in the midst of it, don't try and resolve the thing as you are there. Like don't try and take a breath while you're underwater. Mm. Like I, I teach a um, conversation framework in my language or relationships workshop, which I'm also launch- launching as an online course this year. Oh, cool. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I'm teaching, I'm teaching a conversation framework in that for conflict resolution. And the number one thing is that you must both be in a regulated state. <laughs> yes. Because if you're not in a regulated state, it's just putting more fuel on the fire. Mm. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And we're not going to find a different resolution because we're in that state where, like, when when I'm in a dysregulated state and I'm in fight, like, freezer fawn, like, rather than having awareness and openness, I have, like, what are the horse fingers called? Um, the horse, yeah, they have, I've got those I've got on. Blink, and I've, blink I've got on. Yeah. And mm. I only see the thing that I want to see that I've been taught throughout my childhood. Mm. So I only, like, you can, and this happened recently for me, my lover, where I was giving him so much reassurance and all of these, like, words of affirmation, and he wasn't hearing any of that. Mm. He was hearing the words in between of, I don't matter, and you don't hear me, and all of this different stuff. And I was like, where's this? I don't understand. I'm saying all of these beautiful, nice things, meeting him with love and compassion, and, and he's not receiving it. And it's because he was in a triggered state and he had his blinkers on and he was only focused on the things that aren't working, the things that are wrong. Mm. Yes. And then we came and then we came together in person because this was a conversation on the phone and we came together in person and we co-regulated with each other because mm-hmm. our, both of our highest love language is um, touch and we co-regulated with each other, supporting each other and holding each other and the conversation we had was so different. Mm. And I was just able to hear him and support him and understand him and he was able to fully receive that. Yeah. So in the midst of the chaos, don't try and put more fuel on the fire. Learn to regulate yourself. Take the spaciousness away from each other. Regulate yourself. Talk things through with a friend or a therapist. Like my two best friends are therapists. I've talk to them every day. Mm. So I get therapy every single day. And <laughs> I believe that we all need a therapist in our life, whether that's a friend or whether that's an actual therapist that we go and see. Like these conversations are so, so important for our own well-being. I think, yeah, thank you. I, I, I lovely, lovely conversation about that. I, I, I love the, <clears throat> the regulation. It, we know with the heart mass science that's actually out there is that if we can regulate from the heart space, then the brain will come into alignment. We know that that's the case. I, I for me, I, I think there's even that that next depth, which is the soul base, is is so important. Mm-hmm. And but that that regulation, you know, even being able to put the hand on a, we know for ourselves is putting a hand on a heart. And uh, and and just below our, our belly button, and just stay in that space, will will bring us back into a degree of calibration in our body where we can actually then come out of that fight and flight state. And if you can do that to your partner and the hand on their heart, or even just that eye gazing or breath, you know, working with that um, the breath together especially with the hand on the heart, it's incredible what actually can occur with that. You can actually go from, and I know with public speaking is really, that's an interesting one with public speaking. There's a lot of people who come into public speaking, they've already got a narrative, you know, who, who, are, who are phased about public speaking. They've already got that story going on in their head. So they're, they're speaking from up here and they're, up, they're right up here. But if you just bring the, the ong sound down into your body, bing bong, ding dong, king kong, this is one of the ways I was shown, or better still, hand on heart, hand on belly, and bring your words from your throat down into your belly and talk from that space. 
there's a groundedness that you talk from as opposed to up here where you're actually talking in and I'm trying to find my words, I can't breathe. And we know with singers, singers don't sing here, they sing from down in here. So that's where we need to talk from. And if we can ground ourselves, because we know in any argument, any one of us who's listening who have been in an argument with, the, with their, their partner, you know you're up here. It's like it's really right up here, sort of thing. And, and, and you said this, and you said, and you can actually feel that your breath is held. But if you can actually just regulate yourself back down into this state and actually talk from the state, mm-hmm. you actually regulate differently. So there are things, there are strategies we can do. I think therapy is is tapping into a therapist is fantastic, as long as it's contracted, as long as you're still in control of your choices in that space and and that's the other thing that i look at is a lot of people outsource we've got a world of outsourcing where all we're doing is outsourcing 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 go somewhere if you're not growing your own veggies go to a really good farmer buy your veggies from that that space all right and consume it back here but don't sit there in this space of it's all about the farm it's all about the farm it's all about the farm it's all about you know and staying in that's probably not the best analogy but just staying in this outsourced environment you actually come into this this place here and go, well, how can I actually start to maybe start to create my own food? Can I grow a little bit here? Do I have to always stay in this dependent model? Because we have a heightened in, environment of dependency. And so therapy is good as long as you're the centre of that therapy for yourself. Not, yeah. you know, the, the, the concept of the guru, I, I, I read something. I was going to actually ask you about this. I don't know if you want to go there. But the concept of a guru where you actually... You know, you 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 created almost what do you call it the alter ego or something like that of a guru. Your own sort of, <laughs> I love the language of that. But it was what it was was that the way I interpreted that with them was that you are your own guru, you're not somebody else. Was that where you were going with that? Or um, I like if if you're speaking about the concept of that, then I would agree with that. Like, yes, we yeah. are our own guru. Um, yeah. the so I have a um. Yeah, an alter ego that I, I can't even remember how he, she, it was created. Mm-hmm. But I've got this cape and I think it must have been at a party or something that yeah. like, you know, I sometimes have like funny characters coming out and I just started being like, oh, I am the spiritual guru. You have any questions for me today? <laughs> and then that became like I go to this like to these like village gatherings, which are these big like campouts with like 150 people. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, you just you just pay 60 bucks to stay for the night. And then it's like this fully co-created experience and everyone brings their magic and the workshops and like yeah. it's just becomes this mini festival of like people doing sound healing, massage, workshops, all of this different stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've I've like, you know, I've um hosted the language of relationship workshops there there before, like a part a part yeah. of it to teach people about communication and relationship and attachment theory and like self-responsibility and somatic processing. Like a big part of my work is to actually do the somatic processing because mm-hmm. the, the learning is great and the, the practices are great, but we actually need to somatically embody them. So minus the body. So actually going through the body and not through the mind. Come, we're going full circle now to what you said at the very mm-hmm. start, right? but we're not in the mind, we're actually doing everything through the body. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual guru um, was this, like, character that that came out and I was, like, at one of these gatherings, I was, like, 
I don't want to run like a full workshop, like like maybe like so I was sitting in the circle one morning and I was like, oh, but maybe like I heard there is a special guest appearance, like especially there's a special spiritual guru coming to the coming to the camp at 12 o'clock and they will gather in the teepee and they're like, who's the spiritual guru? And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't tell you guys, but it's a special guest and they will come. Yeah. And they were like, are you the spiritual guru? Like, I don't understand. And like, I sat up and I had my cape on and I brought some cards and I brought some music and I brought my little singing bowl and I love spirituality. Yeah, yeah. And I think some people are so far in that world and they're not grounded in this world anymore. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I like taking the piss out of spirituality. So the spiritual guru is like just taking the absolute piss. It's basically like a full-on comedy show <laughs> of the spiritual guru just taking the absolute right. <laughs> I'm sitting in this space and I'm like, oh, I'm receiving a message. It is for you, my child. Are you ready to receive it? And then I just like go into it and it was just, it's just absolutely hilarious. And I ended up having like 40 people in this tiny teepee crammed together and everyone was just laughing so hard, having the best time. And since then, like the 40 people that were in that space, some of the people, they, you know, they're still in my life regularly and I still see them and they're like, can you do the spiritual guru? <laughs> um, so, yeah, oh, I feel I like there will be more guest appearances at like different <laughs> little things. And I want to I want to add something to this because it's a topic super fun to play with, um, with friends and I think you would have a lot of fun with this, like talking about, you know, your, your guru. Um, there's a thing that's called the Guru Game, and yeah. we played it at my birthday a couple of days ago. And essentially, you give one person the throne of the Guru that sits up higher, and everyone else sits lower on the ground. And they can either choose their own Guru, or you can let someone else choose their Guru. Yeah. And think about like ridiculous things. So, yeah. I've in the past I've been the Guru of dog training. And in the past, we've had, like, um, the guru of all gurus or the spiritual guru or the kinky guru. On the weekend, I was the guru of edging. And then we've had a guru of paranoia. And so the guru sits on the throne and introduces himself as as the guru. And then the audience gets to ask questions to the guru and the guru has to answer them. Yeah, (laughs) from that space. (laughs) And from that space of fully embodying that experience. And it's it's hilarious because the questions that people ask teach you so much about who they are and how their brain works and how they think and move through the world. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I love that because we know we know with comedy, we know with <clears throat> storytelling, we know with. Uh, where where we're seeing a play come out, there is it's it, it, it's an interesting space because you you crack through the the well worn path of a particular narrative, and you begin to look at it through different like a really good comedian can look at a situation that you would wouldn't wouldn't think about, and they point it out, and you go. Oh shit, that's fu- so funny that you pointed that out. You know, I think Carl Barron does it pretty well. You know, he's one of the interesting ones that are actually out there. Where he he could just look at the most, you know, sort of thing like 
walks into his room, uh, walks into the kitchen when he was a kid and his mum goes, there you are. He goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> I am here. You know, but it's just the, the observation of that, uh, yeah, that I am here. <laughs> you know, But just, just the wording of it. But I think, you know, this the ability to actually ask these questions. And it, like to your point, there is a, and a friend of mine, a beautiful friend of mine, who we got to have a bit of a chat about it, um, um, energetic entanglement. And she, you know, she was talking about, um, oh, I lost my train of thought with that, but she was, when we, oh, yeah, the spiritual, we get the spiritual ego kicks in. And this is a dangerous state, the spiritual ego. Well, when I say a dangerous state, if you stay in that space, I, I, I think there's a process that we go through that there is a certain act that we do as we and I saw this when I was heavily involved in the church environment, that there was a there was a real acting as a Christian or acting as a whatever mm. it might have been in that state. And I think what that did was create that there can be a discipline that is created. But the problem is, is if you maintain the act and and you haven't actually embodied the change, then that's the issue that we're actually having. And this is where you hear these people, they say, you know, I've met this, I used to listen to this person all the time and then I met her in person, they were just asses. (laughs) (laughs) And they certainly, yeah, you know, it it was, and you go, wow, that's really fascinating. And and I think we've just got to, you know, not condemning other people, but I think we've just got to look at it in ourselves, is that to recognise when we're, like my granddaughters will, will, copy me like if we're cooking in the kitchen they'll copy me doing things or if i they'll they'll practice what i'm you know if i say something else i'll hear them say it again they'll practice it but the big thing is is to actually embody integrate integrate if you stay in the act and i love that that you've created this the older ego but it 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 it, but you within that environment it sounds like there's a bit of like people get to know their thoughts in that they're given permission to talk outside of the normal narrative that they would normally be emerged in, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm breaking I'm breaking the box of spirituality with that. <laughs> because people are like the thing that you just shared, people yeah. in their in their ego of their spiritual selves, yeah. they are in that box of spirituality and they go, This is where I exist, this is where everyone must exist. We're all love and light. Mm. Blah blah all of the things that happen in the box of spirituality. And I go yeah, and I'm going to absolutely destroy that box because, like, we were so much else at the same time. Mm. Mm. And, you know, if you, it's okay that some people will take offence to it. I don't think anyone left. Most people found it absolutely absolutely hilarious. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's like, it's like that with, with, with everything. It's like, and, the, and the great thing is, like, I, can, I, I could drop into this, into the, the guru game, an example, Um through embodying something that I'm totally not rather than rather than being a guru of something that I absolutely love. Like you could be, you know, you could be the guru of the unconscious mind and you probably have a million things to say about that. Mm. Or I could ask you to be the guru of, um, I don't know, like something that you have no idea about. Mm. And it's actually like it teaches us so much more. Mm. So like yeah, there's yeah. so much so much fun to play with. Like, mm. and I'm not I'm no master of this, but a friend of mine, EJ Love, that I feel like you might know. She, I've, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, 
Yeah. Yeah, he's really great at like creating incredible games to like embody your shadow more. So yeah, after mm. we played the Guru game at my birthday, she was like, Oh, let's play this game where you have to embody the shadow of who you don't want to be and you have to be the guru of that. Wow. Fascinating. Like this the is guru the guru of being a, a petter trader. Absolutely like have an absolute fear of like ever embodying being a penetrator, like be the guru of pe- being a penetrator. Mm. Yeah, mm. things like that. So there's so many different ways that we can play and we can like we can do therapy essentially because people, I think there's such a misconception around therapy as well that people are like, oh, it's about sitting in a room and just talking for an hour and a half. Whereas for me, like I've taken I've taken a client bowling before. Mm. My very my, one of my very first coaching clients, I just saw him for a wedding um a few days ago, and he started coaching with me like like this like this kind of coaching um two three years ago, and he had a fear of being seen, mm. and he would always hide away and not do like not do anything where he would be seen, and he was he did nunchucks which is like this like spinning like mm. martial art thing. Yep. And throughout the time of working together with him for about three months, like towards the end of our journey, I was like, bring your nunchucks to the drumming circle. And he's like, what? You're not going to make me spin. I was like, I'm not making you do anything. But I was like, just bring them. I feel like maybe you want to spin nunchucks. Mm. And he ended up spinning nunchucks in front of, you know, a bunch of people. He's now a fire performer and he's getting paid for fire performances. (laughs) It's amazing. I, I love that. I think what we find, and we, I'm just mindful of time, we might say, because yeah. I, I reckon you and I will probably have another chat down the track anyway. But um, what what I find, and I, I think this is what we start to see with, is is that where we're operating from an experience that's happened in the past, if you're like you were seven years of age or eight years of age when when something occurred and you're now me 53 and i'm still operating from that experience when you actually go through and start to experience something differently so you know i was embarrassed on stage when i was eight years of age for example and i step up on stage and i still come from that space but if i had the courage and the encouragement or or power you know somebody holding that space for me is that now i actually experience that as a 53 year old man and now i can there is a, there are the ability to actually let that old pattern go just through the experience of something new mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the courageous that's the that's what uh being able to connect in with somebody who can hold space and you know coming back full circle into relationships which is the the i think it's the quintessential holding of space there is everything within a relationship which is quite extraordinary everything available well, it seems to be almost everything available within a relationship and it's so rich and it's so diverse and it's so confronting and it's so it, if the to brene brown's statement about vulnerability being uh, you know almost a superpower it is if the environment's conducive to that and, and it's working on that environment so from my perspective I, I see what you're doing leo is just incredible to be able to to recalibrate people's environments 
through empowering them to look have a good look at it. But is there anything you want to leave leave our our crew, you know, the lovely people who are listening to this with? Because I know you and I'll have another chat anyway. Because I there are so many different things we can go off onto, but I feel we we, we, we might just tighten this into a into the yeah. I love I love to offer the audience um, one question that could support them in reframing some of these experiences that popped up for me when you shared the experience of um, speaking on stage, if I still have that. And, like, you spoke into, like, can I be courageous enough to do that, to change that? But what if I'm not courageous enough to do that, to change that? So the experience that created that and the experience that keeps re-looping or then when you get triggered it keeps triggering the same original experience most likely that happened sometime between the age of zero and seven mm-hmm. where your little girl or your little boy didn't receive something that he or she needed then mm. so what is the thing that you needed back then that you did not have but that you do have available now and can you give that to your inner boy or your inner girl right now mm. yeah and how can you embody that to move forward with that knowing that that's available to you right now and that you no longer need to hold on to that story or that pain or that hurt from the past. Yeah. And that's a simple question and I know that there's a lot more complexities around that. Mm. But, yeah, that's a great that's a great one to start with. It's a gorgeous starting point. Leo, love you heaps. I think you're amazing. I, you. I'll, I'll include... Uh, some of the courses that you're doing moving into the to the future. I love some of the terminologies you're using, despair to repair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> great catchphrase there. And certainly looking at um, the important uh, the importance of connection within a relationship and, and the foundation of communication is just paramount. Um, you know, I remember saying to my kids, "If we don't have words, we have nothing." Mm. Um, and that was something that still holds true to me i think we've got to have words sometimes we've got to also have silence and then those words will actually have more more space and 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 that's what's really important you're amazing leo thank Thank you you. thank you so much for having me this was so much fun yeah i'm so so stoked we've connected in again and uh I'll, i'll hit stop and have a bit of a chat on the other side of this but um this is beautiful. So, Leo Blank, relationship therapy and intimacy coaching. I'll uh, I'll include the uh, the blurbs uh, of uh, how to get in contact with you and courses and all that sort of stuff. And and we'll certainly have another chat down the track. All right, big love. Cheers, Thank son. you. <laughs> this has been a production of thewellnesscoach.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.